Hello, and welcome to What is Innovation? The podcast that explores the reality of a word that is in danger of losing its meaning altogether. This podcast is produced by Outlast Consulting, LLC, a boutique consultancy that helps companies use innovation principles to solve their toughest business problems. I'm your host, Jared Simmons, and I'm so excited to have Amanda Utz. Amanda has 20 years of experience driving change for senior executives at startups, private equity-owned businesses, and Fortune 500 companies. She has successfully managed transformational projects across strategy, marketing, sales, and operations for leaders across multiple organizations, including The Home Depot, Mannington Mills, and Verative. She has held multiple interim head of marketing roles for PE-backed businesses to help the businesses quickly set up foundational marketing elements, strategic company and product positioning messaging, and lead generation strategies. She holds an MBA in marketing from the Melbourne Business School in Australia and a BBA in management information systems from the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. Amanda, it is so great to finally get a chance to talk with you on the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I have been for a while, so I'm I'm excited to dive in. So why don't we dive in? What, in your mind, is innovation? So I'm probably not the first guest to do this, but I definitely Googled the definition of innovate (laughs) to get like a basis. So according to Google, the definition reads, make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas, or products. That wasn't too surprising, right? But it gave me a baseline to anchor to. So for me, I'm a marketer at heart. So I think a lot of marketers would probably think of innovation as it relates to developing new products, new packaging, new ways to promote and advertise that product. Mm. But I'm not a creative marketer. I'm more of a strategic kind of process-driven marketer. So for me, when I think of innovation... And again, I'm relating it back to kind of my passion in marketing. Sure. I view it as taking shape in the form of processes. So a lot of times I'll step into a client and something innovative to them may be standard, basic to another client, right? So it's all relative, I guess. Innovation can be relative Mm. depending on the scenario that you're in. Mm -hmm. But I view it as especially in my world, just being innovative in how you do things, how you develop a strategy, how you execute on that strategy, how you measure the results of the strategy, all tied back to being innovative in the processes you put in place to enable all of that. Mm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. It's great. I think from a marketer's lens, it's really interesting to hear you kind of differentiate within the industry of marketing, that there are different types of marketers because as an engineer and product development guy, there's marketing. It's like, okay, well, there's this person from marketing. And so I think that's interesting to say that, okay, your style of marketing or the kind of area you focus on or your approach to marketing thinks about innovation in the form of taking the shape of processes and how you go about your work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not all marketers are treated equally <laughs> or yeah, created exactly. equally. <laughs> exactly. Those of us outside of the world don't really differentiate. It's like when I used to work on cross-functional teams, you know, like, is someone here from engineering? And it's like, well, there are like 20 different kinds of engineers, but we just need an engineer on this project. <laughs> to check the box. But you're like, yeah, oh, you're gonna, it's not that simple. Yeah. You're going to want to clarify that because you don't want me, a chemical engineer, working on anything <laughs> outside of that world. So tell me a bit more about 
diving into the world of marketing a bit, the difference between a creative marketer and more of a process-driven marketer? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think historically, a lot of marketing organizations have been led by more creative folks. Mm. So you step into not being creative, being that kind of process-driven strategic. I would step into a role or or work with a client where there are no processes. Mm. A lot of it has been focused on more what do we need to do short term to get a campaign up and running versus taking a step back and saying, okay, what's the bigger picture goal? What revenue goals is marketing responsible for driving, especially from a B2B standpoint? Right. Then how many leads do we need to generate? What's the conversion rate down the funnel? And how are we going to generate those leads? So it's interesting because you are by default bringing innovation into a role where you change the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You're innovative in that, okay, this is different from what we have normally done and what we've always done. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. Right. But it's an innovative way, right? It's new, it's different. Whereas most organizations may already be doing that. Again, it's relative to what that unique organization has done historically and how they've managed programs, developed campaigns, developed products, right, developed creative. Yeah, it's kind of flipping the switch on how you think about things, ultimately to try to optimize the dollars you have to hit the revenue goals that you need to hit. Right, right. So your lens on marketing is from that strategic process-driven outcome-focused sort of thing, like for the business, what are the outcomes the marketing organization is supposed to drive? And what's our plan to accomplish that? Exactly. Versus should this video look this way or look that way, or should this campaign have this celebrity or that celebrity or, or whatever. Exactly. It's more of a top-down approach versus a bottom-up approach. Mm. And I think a lot of creative folks are very idea-oriented and potentially more tactical, but thinking, okay, smaller ideas like, oh, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. I'm like, okay, let's take a step back. What's the bigger picture? Mm. And how do we get there most effectively and efficiently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, by looking at it that way, you are yeah bringing innovation into the equation. That makes a lot of sense. As it relates to processes and how you think about things versus just developing new products. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it makes me realize that there could be different definitions of innovation within an industry, within a function, which I don't always really think about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I can imagine a more creative focused person might see innovation as bringing a new medium into the mix. Product, design, creative, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's how you execute on that, right? You can be innovative in ways that how you execute on that. Right. And I, I would imagine it, it changes the way you think about collaborating around innovation. When you're working in a cross-functional team or with a C-suite, having conversations about innovation would be different if you have a process-focused lens versus a creative lens. Yeah. And it's always an interesting dynamic between sales and marketing. Right. Here's a great example of kind of applying an innovative approach to thinking. It doesn't sound very innovative, but at the root of it, it is. So you're meeting with sales organizations, talking about strategy, planning for the year. And the sales team says, okay, I want to go to these five trade shows. These are the trade shows we always go to, right? And then you start peeling back the onion. Okay, well, well, do they provide good leads? Does it drive revenue? Oh, yeah, we usually get some good leads. And then when you start asking more questions, like, okay, how many leads? 
what was the revenue? And the wheels kind of fall off at that point. Well, there's <laughs> historically, they haven't really tracked it that granularly. I'm like, okay, and how much was this trade show? How much did it cost? So again, it's changing the way you think and not doing what you've always done just because you've always done it that way. Right. So an innovative approach would be, okay, if we are going to go to this trade show, then let's set up a campaign, track the results and see if it was worth it. Or let's not buy a booth space in this trade show, but we can send salespeople to go to the show, to walk the floor and to meet with prospects without having to display there. Right. You're innovative in how you're approaching that as an example. No, that's a great example because it is impact focused. Absolutely. I get it that the tradition is we go to these five trade shows and that's just kind of what you do but we've always done this Jerry. right why wouldn't we right. exactly <laughs> exactly like, what do you mean well, why do we go to these trade shows? what we revenue go? did you drive <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that focus on impact and outcomes is a consistent hallmark of definitions of innovation i can't think of anything that people talk about as being innovative that didn't have some sort of impact oh yeah exactly the whole purpose is to improve how you operate right right and so Thinking about early in my career when I was an engineer, scientist, sitting on these cross-functional teams in Fortune 500 companies, it would have been shocking for me to hear that marketing would have that type of view of things. I think the assumption is, oh, well, marketing just wants to, they just want to do new and different things and they just want to do these things. They don't care about whether they actually work. I think that is sort of a, a stereotype of marketing functions it is. Yeah. It's changing. It's definitely changing. But historically, yeah. yeah his, I mean, that's kind of why I decided to go out on my own because I was frustrated in what I saw working for different corporations and stepping into these worlds and seeing how things were done. And I just saw, repeatedly saw a lot of opportunities and how, how you think about marketing, but also how the marketing team can partner with sales to really optimize the spend and drive incremental revenue. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I left my corporate job and went out on my own. Mm. It's uncovering them and bringing that line of thought into an organization and have them flip the way they think about marketing. Right, right, right. So we've talked a lot about what innovation is. What isn't innovation? <laughs> what isn't innovation? So I will make an analogy. All right. I'm a baker. I like baking. Nice. Innovation in baking is you may have a recipe and want to change it up or add flavors to it. So you go off recipe and do just that. Maybe you add lemon and make the vanilla cake lemon instead of vanilla, right? Mm -hmm. So you're innovating as it relates to changing up the recipe. So that's innovation in baking. Yeah, yeah. At its simplest form. So drawing that comparison into what I wouldn't consider innovation would be in baking, changing the order in which you add ingredients to make the cake. Mm. So you still have the same five ingredients, but adding ingredient one after ingredient three, that's not innovation. And so if you draw that parallel to businesses, a lot of time they'll want to change up how they do something, but it's the outcomes are the same. Mm. So it's taking it one step further to truly be innovative, right? And not just make minor adjustments that really aren't innovative. And again, this relates back mostly to innovation and processes and how you do things. Right, right. 
So if you haven't been innovative, the cake won't taste any different. Right. The outcome is the same. <laughs> yeah, the outcome is the same. Then innovation hasn't occurred. So that makes a lot of sense. And the cake analogy is a great one because so me personally, coming from consumer packaged goods background, the way I think about innovation starts with the consumer. And so if the consumer can't see a difference, there's a whole family of innovation that just can't be possible. Yeah. Maybe you figured a way to make it at a third of the cost, or maybe you figured out a way to make it 10 times faster or whatever. Exactly. But if it's just these minor tweaks, like you're saying, to your process or to your order of operations or whatever, and then the final product is still the same, that can't be innovation. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you mentioned baking. Do you have other hobbies? Yeah. I mean, I like to travel internationally. We share travel stories. So yeah, that's yeah, my hobby. yeah. Exercising. I wouldn't consider myself a runner. I run. Right. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Travel and exercise. They're both very process and outcome connected plan a trip and then you go on the trip you have this experience you exercise and I guess I'm assuming you feel better after you exercise I, I don't exercise enough to know what to, <laughs> for it to qualify as a hobby the baking analogy I think is also helpful in that the sort of finite aspect of it like you put these ingredients in here and this thing comes out right when we think about innovation I think it's always helpful to think about it in a finite sort of way because a lot of innovation conversations are fluffy and high level and pie in the sky about, oh, we could do this thing or we could do that thing five years from now or 10 years from now. But the products and services that we consider innovative today actually got launched and actually became a thing. And so there's always a process, like you described, for those things to go from this neat, cool, interesting idea, oh, maybe one day we could to like something people can hold, touch and feel and interact with. Yeah. Actually having it. Yeah. Here's a great example of innovation as it relates to travel, right? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Airbnb. I will use Airbnb to yeah, research places to stay and ultimately book places to stay. And I would say probably three years ago, and it was interesting because I don't ever, I'm sure they promoted it, but I just kind of stumbled upon it. They expanded their offering. So now, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you go into the, and this is not an, an ad for Airbnb, but if you go into the Airbnb app, there's a stays tab, which focuses on their bread and butter and how they got their foundation. But there's now an experiences aspect of Airbnb. Mm. So you can go into experiences and let's say, as an example, pre-COVID, I actually almost got stuck in Colombia, but I was going to Cartagena. So I was looking up different experiences in Cartagena and it's just locals offering unique experiences to their culture. Oh. So I did a rum tasting. I did a food bike tour and it was great. And it honestly has changed the game and how I plan my trips, that innovative feature, because it, it allows you to yeah connect with locals and experience the culture in ways you really couldn't have done on your own. Right. It sounds like it also lowers the barriers for them to be able to offer that. And it's a built-in vetting process as well for the difference between you showing up and somebody on the corner saying, hey, you want to taste some rum? <laughs> versus... Exactly. Yeah. I, I will not taste rum from strangers on yes. the corner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that's a great feature because it has that sort of triple win. Like Airbnb is probably getting revenue from that. The local folks in the community now have a way to- or Building their business. Build their business and establish trust 
And then you now, instead of having to go Google things to do in Cartagena, you're already in the ecosystem and it's a more seamless experience for you. Definitely sounds like innovation. Yeah. It's changed the game. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of thinking about that from a marketing perspective, so I don't use the Airbnb right now, but... Oh, Jared, you need to. <laughs> so yeah. So the, had I known that feature existed, it would change my decision. Airbnb would enter my decision set. Right. But I didn't know about it. I'd see Airbnb ads all the time because I research travel and things, but I don't recall having seen that they've broadened their scope on that, which to me comes back to your original point around marketing about the process sort of driven aspect of it and asking the questions, you know, how can we maximize? We've got this new product, this new service. Yeah. How can we make sure we maximize the return on that? I feel like my behavior online would make me a prime target, but this is the first time hearing of it. Yes. There's kind of an example of, yeah, you've got the innovative idea launched, but then it fell short on promoting it. Yeah. That holds true for the less glamorous aspect of innovation as it relates to processes, right? Like you can be innovative in processes that you put in place, but they're going to fall short if you don't communicate them and train people on how to use them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the same goes for innovative products that you launch. It's, it's one thing to actually get the product in the market, but then it's a whole nother ball game to then promote it and drive awareness around it and usage. Right, right. That's a great point. So you mentioned that you do B2B work. Yes. Have you ever been asked to apply your expertise internally to a company, like fully within the company to help drive adoption of a new process or implement a new policy or something like that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And a lot of clients that I've worked with have wanted to kind of revamp how they tell their company story and how they position themselves in the market. Mm -hmm. So from a messaging standpoint, they change the scripts on not only how they go to market promoting their company as a whole, but then also their products. So this is, it's a huge undertaking mm -hmm. and it's extremely innovative, right? So the first you have to land on what that messaging is going to be at the company level and at the product level, and then you have to roll it out. You have to roll it out to all your customer facing materials, but you also have to roll it out internally across sales, across customer success across any implementation teams. Oh, right. So you're all speaking the same language. Like this is the story we're telling customers from a marketing standpoint. Let's make sure we're telling that same story when sales interacts with customers, when customer success interacts with customers. Mm. So it's no easy task to unveil. So there's, there's a lot of coordination of what channels to roll it out through first. But then also making sure internally everyone is trained on it, knows the new story, and continually tells that story and not revert back to what they'd always done or the old way. Right, right. So it's innovation in how they talk about the company and the product. That sounds like something that would be easy but costly to overlook. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah similar to what I'd said before, like not fall back in your old way. And this goes back to cross-functional communication, right? And making sure that everyone's on the same page mm -hmm. because marketing can go out with great new messaging, put it on the website, put it on emails, update sales enablement materials, but you've got 
then the sales organization, their story doesn't align with what customers are seeing when they go to the website. Exactly. It has to be cohesive. And then that just creates further confusion for customers, right? Right. It probably also makes it difficult to, for lack of a better word, troubleshoot if a product or service doesn't perform the way you thought it should in market. Oh, yes, exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, where did they get this information? Did that consumer read something on the website and misinterpret it? Or did the sales representative misspeak on what the product could do? Or did the same thing for customer success, right? Right. Yeah, it can certainly lead to issues. Yeah. Oh, man. There's always so many layers to things. There's marketing. They decide what ads should go up and they... Oh, no, it's so much more, Jared. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm like, I feel like I need to email some of my marketing friends and, and apologize for minimizing their, their work. <laughs> I have a whole new perspective <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, a whole new, whole new appreciation. We actually have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot in cross-functional teams in general, especially within Fortune 500 companies where you don't interact with the person or the expertise, you interact more with the stereotype. So people talk to me as the product development person or as the engineer or whatever. And I talk to them as the marketer, not as like coworker, a colleague who's also focused on delivering outcomes for the business. And I think it's easy to talk past each other and to also not even bring up relevant things because just hearing the way you think about marketing, there's probably things that sales folks and people working on product management and other things could offer information they could offer up proactively that would make everybody more successful if you knew it. Yeah. But they were probably assuming, oh, no, she's just thinking about when to launch the next campaign or whatever. Yeah. So this ties back to, I talked a lot about being innovative in the processes, but I think most people think of innovation as products. So, mm -hmm. and it holds true, right? Like my current client, I was just having this discussion this morning. There's a big product launch coming up. And obviously the product and sales organizations want marketing to promote it and to begin promoting it. I'm like, okay, you've got this great product. How are we supposed to talk about it? Like I need content mm. to be able to tell the product story and we don't have it. Right. Right. So I'm like, okay, who owns that? And obviously, yes, you innovate the product. Now we need to develop the story and how we're going to promote the product mm. to your point to get it out there hit revenue goals. And that's kind of an example of functional and you froze. The point being done all the work to innovate the product, but there's still innovation that needs to be done to tell the story of the product. Mm. So product innovation or service innovation is not the end of the innovation process. There's more to actually delivering that. Exactly. Yeah. And packaging it completely for a successful launch. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about different lenses on innovation from a marketing standpoint, the creative sort of lens, the process-driven sort of lens, innovation from a process focus versus innovation from a product service focus. That creates a very big circle of like innovators, people involved in that process that covers a lot of folks. What would your advice be for innovators out there? Trust your gut mm. and trust your instincts. If you got an idea, voice it, push boundaries, ruffle feathers. If you truly in your core believe that your idea, your process is innovative and it's going to change the way you either do something or meet a need that is currently unmet in the markets, raise your hand and 
yell from the rooftops, right? I think <laughs> it's a challenge, right? Because I'm sure in organizations, there's always people competing for different kind of end results and ideas. And obviously it comes down to money, budget. Mm-hmm. Do we have the budget for it? So there's a pecking order and prioritization, but and a lot of times, a lot of these innovative ideas just get put on the back burner because they don't have, businesses don't have the funds to support it. Mm-hmm. And just in, I think in life in general, you are an innovator in your core and that can take on multiple forms. Just be resilient because you're probably going to get a lot of no's before you get a yes. Mm. In the world of innovation, regardless of if it is process or product, it's overcoming objectives. Yeah. I don't know. You're an engineer. Would you agree? Like you probably have. Yeah. No, that's, yes. Experience that. For sure. And I think anytime you're, you know, it's overcoming the objections of the team or your leadership or the established experts in the field. Yeah. A lot of times when you're on the cutting edge of things, you're upsetting the people who know. And so I, yeah, I can totally relate to that. And you can also get told no by the laws of physics when you're a scientist. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, no, you can't actually, you know, <laughs> you can't do that because of Newton's third law that you just can't do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of types of obstacles that you run into. Resilience is a perfect word. You have to be resilient in the face of those things and to stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish and find a way. Yeah, trust your gut. And I I don't know, I tie that back to just me going out on my own, right? Like it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I could have taken the safe way out or the boring way out and not made that leap. But I knew, yeah, I knew in my gut that there were innovative ways to do things that a lot of companies weren't doing. And I I knew there were opportunities being resilient, making that leap. Yeah, having faith in your intuition. Yeah, that's it's well said. It's very philosophical for me. Well, what I love about it is you going out on your own is the perfect example of there's this disconnect and you could say, is it me or is it the place I'm at, the place I am or whatever. But I think it's cool. You live the advice you're giving around trusting yeah. your gut because yeah. you're saying, you know what, this doesn't feel right. It's either me or it's you and it's not me. Uh, my gut says it's not me. So I'm going to yeah. go out on my own and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to find my tribe. And you've done exactly that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you for doing that. You and I connect often on the travails. The roller coaster. Of- yes, the roller. <laughs> that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. The roller coaster, the highs and and lows and highs and all of those things associated with taking that leap. So thank you for sharing that for sure. No problem. This has been an amazing conversation. I knew it would. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, thanks, Jared. Hopefully I changed the way you think about marketing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my takeaway. No, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's encouraging to know that there's a, a process-focused <laughs> side to the marketing world. It's probably not as common as it should be, but it's right. getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's growing. And you're on the leading edge of it, so. I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. One company at a time. One company at a time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Amanda Oots, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jared. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. It's my pleasure. And thank you for your process-focused marketing lens on innovation. I'm sure it was very uh, enlightening for the listeners. I'm sure it's a very thrilling topic. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jared. All right. Take care. (laughs) 
We'd love to hear your thoughts about this week's show. You can drop us a line on Twitter at Outlast LLC, O-U-T-L-A-S-T-L-L-C, or follow us on LinkedIn where we're Outlast Consulting. Until next time, keep innovating, whatever that means.